And we are back for another edition of the Daily Dots. <clears throat> Actually, not we. Uh, just yours truly. So for the Chase Taylor Pinecone Macro fans out there, I hate to disappoint. Hopefully you don't turn it off right now. I'll try to try to do my best to fill in for him. But um, he is at home at the moment dealing with plumbers. Um, <clears throat> I, get my, I get palpitations heart palpitations when somebody says something like that. I am just finishing up like a two and a half year COVID remodel that we didn't start due to COVID. We had it planned going into 2020 and uh, best laid plans, right? (laughs) I think we had to wait like 11 months to get our garage doors. Anyway, uh, a lot of news today and yet not a lot of news Markets got smacked down pretty good. Um, I think, you know, I, I don't think that we can take too much from the action today. I think it sure, certainly seems like markets are getting a bit unnerved by what is going on in the Middle East, which makes sense. Um, I also think, well, especially at these price levels. Right. I just, again, I, the only way that I think valuations on the overall markets make sense is if you believe the Fed's going to cut a lot. The only way the Fed is going to cut a lot if some really bad things happen. Um, and so, you know, we've talked about that a lot, lot on the daily dots. I, I just don't, it, it just, it, it feels to me. It feels to me like a range-bound market. We've been saying that for quite some time. You know, when you look at all the problems in the world, you look at all the different things going. It just it it just feels like a range-bound market for now. Now, having said that, when you're in a market like this, when you're when you're literally watching multiple expansion in the face of falling earnings and rising interest rates, as obscene as that is to any of us that understand, you know, financial analysis, it is what it is. And, you know, today you had Tesla announce a quarter where they missed on every single quarter and the stock was up. Now, it was very mildly up, but, you know, financial reality still is not set in. Um, You had Netflix report and earning. Now, on the face of it, I had somebody go, what do you have a problem with Netflix? I don't have a problem with Netflix. I think Netflix is a very well-managed company. I think it's a good company. Um, I find the business extremely unattractive generally speaking, and for a lot of the same reasons that the networks went out of business. You know, I look at Netflix, it's kind of a modern network, really, um, with some serious advantage, right? Less and brick and less brick and mortars locations, lower cost structures, but the cost of content is never going to go away, right? You don't scale to a point where the cost of content isn't a problem. It's just a very capital intensive business. I just, I'm just not a fan of the business, especially at these multiples. The other thing I cannot understand um, and, and like I said, on the face of it, I thought Netflix announced a pretty good quarter. Uh, you saw a pop in subscribers of 9 million, um, a, a slightly better, uh, a, a decent beat on earnings. I mean, they, they've been, you know, they're lowballing their earnings numbers like everybody is. I'll just continue to tell you that stock movements to me reflect 0% rates and we just don't have 0% rates anymore. Netflix popped 12% on that news after hours. I pulled up the stock quote sitting there going, I wonder if this will drive it green or red just because it was already trading at 36 times earnings. And you do the back of the envelope math and maybe it's not perfect, but 
year over year, revenues have grown 7% coming out of basically two years of flat revenue growth. And so that revenue pop that everybody was anticipating doing to the crackdown on passwords looks like it's made a little difference, but not anywhere what anybody was expecting. And then you still look at the thing after today's pop, you're trading it 40 times or I just, I don't get it. I just don't get it. And and for reference of what I'm talking about, I'm not even going anti-tech on it. Go pull up Google's run rate, Google's balance sheet, Google's cash. Go compare it in every, go go look at Google's uh, revenue growth over here. Why somebody would pay 35% more on a PE basis for Netflix is just mind boggling to me. Why somebody would buy Netflix when it, and, and, and Google isn't the only one out there. It just, when Netflix is trading at this multiple, it's a meme stock. Why do I say that? Because there's nothing that just, you compare it to other things in its same tech grouping, right? Or tech sector. It makes no sense. It just doesn't make any sense, right? The reality is what it is. Um, and so until, you know, I, and I think that that is why you get, Days like today where seemingly really nothing is news, right, right, new, right? In terms of looking at the market today, and you're like, Zach, yesterday, you know, the market did what it did. And then today, the Russell's down 2.11%, NASDAQ down 1.62. What happened? Uh, yeah, I don't know, right? Just heightened geopolitical risk. And like I said, what scares me about this market is when you combine the underlying economic forces and the valuations in the face of these interest rates. It doesn't make any sense, and I and I and I really tend to side with Chase on this. He just said, you know, and he goes, I think a big part of his market just doesn't know what to do, and um, yeah, I think that's a tough. I think that's a tough argument. I, I think it's a tough thing to argue with, right? It just it just seems like chaos, right? Valuations, generically speaking, are really high. The other thing is you just don't see any correlation, right? We're treating certain companies like growth stocks that don't have any growth. I, I just honestly think, and this is what gives me kind of the willies about it. Again, I, I don't think you're on the cusp of some giant financial breakdown. But what gives me the willies about it is it just, these are the types of moves that you would see in a market that's overrepresented by by low experience retail traders. It just is. And what scares me about that is that um, that props up a market literally until the day it doesn't. Right. So again, nothing horrible. Um, the one interesting piece of data, you got another breakout in yields, which today the market decided it was going to be sensitive to yields. Um, I'm still not really understanding why some days it is and some days it isn't. Again, I just think chaos is, you know, to quote Chase, I just think chaos is kind of the, the name of the I, I, uh, name of the game at this point. Um, dollar index at 106.55. You know, that's the other odd part about this market today. Um, it's, it doesn't seem to be factoring in anything, right? Like you've got multiple expansion in the face of record rate increases, you know, the speed at which they are, you know, this year, and you guys heard me say it over and over and over again, falling earnings, slightly higher revenues, which Talk about a good signpost for the top of a cycle when revenues slightly increase, but earnings are down. Um, and well, the reason why I say it's a signpost is that is like the inverse of what has happened over the last 15 years, right? Low growth, low inflation, and revenue growths led to network effects 
and network effects provide always increasing earnings, right? A mantra of, of this age. Um, that isn't happening. And that's, and that's kind of the other thing. Like I said, when I see rates doing what they're doing, when I look at a dollar index flirting with 107, and then I look at 12% earnings increase estimates for next year, Again, we've said it a hundred times. I just don't, I just for the life of me cannot figure out how. I just can't figure out how. The only way I think it's even possible is if you had really aggressive rate cuts and the Fed isn't going to really aggressive rate cut, cut rates unless something really bad happens. And again, I don't want to sound like a broken record. I just keep going back to that because I'm just amazed. It, it seems like pretty simple calculus uh, as we sit here today. Right, I, I, I will, I will fully admit this. And those of you who listen to the show, I thought the Fed would be done around three and a half to four Fed funds rate. I didn't think they'd push beyond this. So I have been wrong about that. They went a, and I didn't get it close. And I was 150 basis points so far off target. Um, I also didn't think that they would attack this purely through rate rate increases. Everybody's like they've burned down the balance sheet. Not it all in a meaningful way, not even close. And why they have chosen to lean so much on rate increases and less on liquidity when this has been a liquidity-driven bubble, I will never really understand that. Except for the fact that once again, right, look at where the stock market is and look at where mortgage rates are. Who's getting hit hurt? If we look at Fed policy through the lens of right now, who's really getting hurt the worst? It ain't the wealthy. Once again, it's the working guy right? That is the only consistent thread I see to Fed policy, right? It's going to be the least taxing on the rich guy, and it's going to be the most onerous on the blue collar working guy. And it just, literally, if you look at Fed policy through that lens, it's consistent. I don't think they acknowledge that's what they're doing. I'm not asserting that that's what they're trying to do, but at every turn, that's what happens. And then they then they retire from the FOMC and get a job making three to $5 million as a special advisor for Citadel or BlackRock. So again, I'm not accusing them of anything just because I've never spoken to these people and I don't want to be, I, I hate to be one of those loud, you know, you're, you know, I, I, I'll lean back on the old adage, never blame on a conspiracy what can be explained through stupidity, right? Um and not saying they're stupid either. I they're probably smarter than me. I, I just their policies don't really make any sense. The the one piece of data today, and without Chase, I know he's looking at all the microeconomic data. The one the one thing in the middle of all this, considering the backdrop. Now, hear me out here when I'm saying this, because just think about what the Fed has said: higher for longer rates, the economy can handle that, all that other kind of stuff, right? Uh, so feds Barkin came out today and said, I don't know where rates will be in three weeks from now, given what's happening globally. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend to you, I know what that means, but talk about an about face from what they have been saying, Right. Now, maybe she's saying that something could happen in the next three weeks that would create an economic shock. That's certainly viable. I mean, that could happen at any second, considering what's going on in the world today. And then, you know, if you're looking at it through the lens of the stock market, if the Fed were to surprise cut, 
And if you're short this market, I would sit there and say, get the heck out of the way. Right. But on an, because like I said, I, I just, you, until I see fundamental action really present in markets and look, maybe that isn't even going to happen in the next 16 months. I don't know. Like I said, you know, I, I still, you know, Tesla has been untethered for a long time, but what's just remarkable of this is the narrative is imploding right in front of their eyes. Remember, you know, so much, what a year ago, two, two years ago, uh, Tesla's got 27% margins. Operating margin they just reported was 7.6%. Okay. They missed on revenue. They missed on earnings. They missed on margins. And the stock was up. Now, albeit a little bit, plus there's been this trend where stocks beat on or, or, or stocks announce a disappointing quarter or significantly less than stellar quarter. Uh, get a pop in the after hours and get murdered tomorrow the next day. So maybe that'll happen. Who knows? But when I see Netflix surging by 12% off that quarterly report because they grew at an annual rate of 8%, when you consider their cash flow difficulties, you also consider the fact that that 8% growth came off of the whole password crackdown, which was the bull's thesis of, you know, it's, is it going to give you a one or two quarter 8% pop in revenue? Right, that, that that's worth buying this thing at forty to forty-five times earnings. I I don't get it. So until I see stocks actually start to trade on a non or on a sensible level that reflects financial accounting and and financial analysis, I think that you have to assume that it doesn't matter what's going on in the underlying economy if the Fed's going to cut rates. If the Fed even announces they're done hiking, I would expect a vicious fat rally to the upside. If they cut, a run to all-time highs wouldn't surprise me. Why? Do I think it's obscene? Yeah, it's obscene. It's insane. It makes no sense. But, you know, I've, I learned a painful lesson a, a, a while ago, which was don't short something because it doesn't make sense, right? Because the assumption the minute we do that the assumption is the minute we put our short position on, that's when things are going to start to make sense. And uh, that's just not the way it works. So I, I, I think you got to assume, you know, I if anything, I would read that comment from Barkin as, as bullish, uh, at least equities. It's it at least got a hint of bullishness to it. Um, just because nobody cares about earnings right now. Another fascinating one I saw today. Now, Costco's CEO retired. Costco hit a 57 or 52 week high, all time high today on this tape with the NASDAQ down 1.6%. Was it 1.5%? No, 1.62. S&P down 1.34%. On that tape, Costco hit a 52 week high. Uh, on news that their CEO was retiring, I don't understand why the market would interpret that as positive news as the stock and the company have done really well under this guy's guidance. Um, that's another one that's tough for me. Love that company. Really love the company. And I'll admit to you full-heartedly, I'm a little bitter at selling it because I thought it got a little too expensive at 38 times earnings. I, it's just hard to pay that kind of rabbit, that, that type of multiple. The other side of this market, right, is you've really got a bifurcated market. It's not just that it's tough. It's just very hard to justify paying up for multiples like that. Now, I, I'd set Costco aside from Netflix because I think it's a much superior company. On a, on a lot of different ways. And I think both are extremely well-managed and well-run. Um, I just think Costco is a much better business, just a much better business. 
And so it always delivers a premium multiple, but that multiple in the face of these rates, it makes no, I mean, that's, it's bumping right up against its cycle high in terms of valuation. So basically the stock price is telling you the surge in yields has no impact on the underlying value of that company. And that's just not the case, right? So people are like, it's multiple hasn't expanded. Yes, it has, guys. If the multiple has stayed the same and the discount rate's gone from 1.8 or 2% to 5.2, that's a massive difference. So again, I, I just, people are like, well, which direction the market's going to go? I, I don't know. I mean, I you know, it should go down. Lower earnings, higher discount rates. I mean, it's just basic financial accounting. It should go down. Yet it hasn't. People are like, well, that's just the way markets work. And I'm like, well, for short terms. But if you think the economy is in good footing and on a, on a, on a good standing space, then you don't think the Fed's going to cut rates. And if the Fed doesn't cut rates, I, I don't understand how you think that that's not going to impact stock valuations. I, I, just, I just don't get it, right? Can, now, can valuations buck rates for, yeah, like if, if the market's right, and let's say within, you know, 10 months from now, you're looking at a one and a half or 2% Fed funds rate. Now, I, I still don't think that justifies multiples, especially with what's going on with earnings. But, you know, that, that makes some sense, right? The mar- you could say the market was forward looking and it's lowing, looking at lower rates. But I mean, then, what, then what's your argument at that point? You think a long-term good level for, you know, price to earnings would be and, pri- and look, I'm not a price to earnings warrior either, guys. Like I understand the inherent problems in it. And I, that's one of the reasons why in our analysis, we never look at one form of earnings like price to sales, market cap to GDP. We look at several different uh, metrics because I, I just think, you know, one metric, you've seen it too many times, um, especially PEs can be, you know, the, the record high PE was like 90 and it occurred close to the bottom in 2009. Um just because the banks got completely smoked and the banks had such a disproportionate number of earnings at that point that when the book banks took all those write downs, they reported negative earnings. Right. And that counted against the market. Anyway, it, it was an anomaly that happened for a short period of time, but um, there can be a lot of noise in that price to earnings ratio. I'm just saying that when you look at the, when you look at the landscape today, uh, you know, it, if you're a pin, the only way I really see any credence to the bull argument in this process is that if your thesis is massive rate cuts are right around the corner. Um, and, and then that's pretty, and, 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 or that, you know, you think the economy is really strong in which case the rate cuts come in which case you can't, you can't value, you can't sustain multiples at this level with discount rates this high. It just doesn't work. Uh, and it makes no sense. And it's a horrible risk reward bet betting on equities. You know, that's the funny thing to me too. Everybody's talking about bonds, stay away from bonds. And I'm looking at them and going, wait a second. Yeah, I know they've lost, but you usually want to lo- you, you usually want to buy something at the bottom. You're sitting there looking at a market in this environment, trading at 25 X earnings. And you think the danger is at a 5.2% yielding to your treasury. Okay. I doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But, um, yeah, I don't know, but that was about it. Other than that, no real big news. Um, I believe, do we have, I think we've got a speech from Powell coming tomorrow. Um, I'm wondering, hoping that he might reference 
interest rates via the Middle Eastern backdrop and tie that into what Barkin said. I'd really like to know what she meant by that. Um, the other thing we're going to dig into, I'm going to have Chase dig into, is see what impact, if any, past military conflicts or past geopolitical conflicts have had on Fed rate policy. My guess would be very little to none. Now, I, I, if I remember correctly, and please don't quote me on this, I think the Fed did sharply cut rates after 9-11, um, but they'd been on a hiking cycle too at that point. So I, I don't know. We'll dig into that. I'll look at that. But if if that would be a curious thing to me that all of a sudden, you know, I thought this was all about employment, right, and wages. Now all of a sudden conflict in the Middle East would precipitate lower rates. I I don't know. Seems like we're in a bit of a hall of mirrors, right? But that's about it on the day. Not a lot on the earnings side. I'm interested to see the way market reacts to Netflix. Because I, like I said, I, 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 the, the Netflix queue was better than I thought it would be. I, I don't think it was a bad queue at all. The market response to it is puzzling, at least to me. Because I'm looking through and going, okay, uh, that's reasonable. It's not nearly as good as the bull projections as far as the difference in subscribers that, or, or the difference, you know, the revenue ramp that was supposedly, supposedly come from this whole password sharing crackdown. So if it wasn't for that, I'd be like, that's pretty impressive. But then you back out of it and you're still looking at a company. It represents in one quarter, just 8% year over year growth from that quarter. Again, I look at the multiple, I look at the quality of earnings, I look at margins, I look at all those things. I just can't imagine, you know, I, 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 I think Netflix would start looking interest to me, interesting to me at 18 to 23 times earnings. You're at 40. Um, it, it, it's just not an attractive business at that level. It, you know, you just bust out the math. It's just not, I mean, you could keep up on this growth rate for the next, you know, five years. And the stock could gradually, the stock could stay flat and gradually work its way back to a 20 PE. And, you know, you know, somewhere in that neighborhood of 15 to 22 times earnings, when you look at the quality of earnings, you look at the volatility of their earnings, you look at the periods of flat growth, you look at law of large numbers, right? Just they get more subscribers. By definition, future growth will be smaller. Um you know, and maybe they announce a new business line of some type or something like that. But but outside of that, you're looking at the existing business, and I just can't understand why anybody pay that number for it. Um, you know, at least with Tesla, there's the we're going to take over the world with robo taxis and a lot of ridiculous stuff. But but at least there is a story. I, I just don't see that present for Netflix. So, um, and and the only thing I think that's important is that. You know, for me to have faith that this market is sobered up and starting to make sense and, you know, kind of investable across the board, I, I'd have to see that stuff kind of settle down and for things to start, make, start to make sense or just even be somewhat sensitive to reality. And you're just still not there yet. So we'll, uh, we'll be back on with Chase tomorrow. Um, I, like I said, I think we should have some Powell minutes to discuss. I think he's scheduled to speak tomorrow. When it comes to that kind of stuff, I'm flying blind because Chase is the guy that is on top of that for our firm. So uh, we'll see what Chase has tomorrow. As always, guys, you can get the Daily Dots as part of the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Just look us up on any you know, po- uh, podcast provider, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, you name it, we're on there. Give us a subscribe. More subscribers we got, better guests we get for our weekly show. 
And uh, we'll be back tomorrow. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.